know, it's so common even in my practice as a dentist to see kids that present with high blood pressure. And it's your body trying to tell you a story. I'll see kids that are wetting their bed because their brain isn't topping up enough neurotransmitters, enough growth hormone, and it all just comes into one big, what I call the perfect storm. It's time to create a life that's better than your dreams with the I Heart My Life show. I'm Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your I Heart My Life show host. This is your one-stop shop for all things personal development meets lifestyle. So pull up a seat, get out a pen and a paper and get ready to learn. Welcome to the I Heart My Life show, Magna. I'm so excited to have you here to learn more about your story, your work in the world, your message. So welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do in the world? Absolutely. So I am a practicing dentist, um, a large, and I practice in Houston, Texas. Um, A large portion of my practice focuses on not just teeth, but treating and managing sleep apnea in adults and in children. So I'd say about 50% of my practice is that. Um, it's gotten to the point where we are so um, dialed into our systems and such. Um, I also now coach other doctors on how to successfully integrate this into their practices. Oh, wow. Amazing. So take us back. Tell us how you got into this world and became so passionate about this topic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I am fond of saying that anything that becomes a passion uh, usually has a personal story or personal um attachment. And for me, it was us losing my father-in-law to sleep apnea. So as a newlywed, um, you know, we didn't know what we didn't know. And when we lost him and we went back home, I was born and raised in India, but we were here in Houston. And when we went back, um, you know, the consistent answer as a doctor, I just, I, it's hard for me when somebody says, oh, that's the way it is. It's just how the chips fall. It's, you know, and that was the consistent answer we got. Oh, it's just genetics. Um, and all of the men in our family have passed in their mid fifties. He was 54 when he passed. And that's everything that, you know, they all grew up thinking, oh, we're going to die in our fifties. And I said, Surely not in this day and age. And this was like 22 years ago. Um, Surely this is not how it's meant to be. So I set to find answers because in my mind, I did not want my family to ever have to experience this kind of loss again. I now have two girls, you know, they weren't born when all of this was happened, but I knew I just didn't want this. And as I dug deeper and looked for answers, the consistent commonality that emerged was sleep apnea. You know, all those years ago uh, in India, I don't know that um, we, they even had the, the alternatives, the treatment options that we now have. But coming back, you know, when we moved back home, uh, back to Houston, and I was like, this, how do I not know this? I'm a doctor. How did I not know anything about this? And the more answers I looked for, I found that very few people had these answers. And unfortunately, too many people suffered from this. So I, I decided to like, you know, get into this, you know, what are the treatment options? And how can I help my family? 
And I, re and I tell everybody, I was selfish. I only wanted it to be able to help my family. That's all I cared about, right? I didn't know any better. But then I found that as I started to have these conversations and learn, my family grew. It then included uh, my office manager, who's now been with me 13 years, her dad. It included um, my favorite patient's grandchild, um, their neighbors. It was even our UPS guy because we were like, you look like you might have a problem. Do you snore? And he's like, how did you know? Well, we're down these rabbit holes. And so we started to treat adults with sleep apnea. And then my office manager, who I just mentioned earlier, she was pregnant when she started working with me. And, you know, as her daughter grew up and uh, we started to address all of these things, we noticed that she, Avery, was very different from her other children. She's the sweetest little girl, but she was always tired. She was always grumpy. We always had to tell her, be nice, you know, play nice. She'd come to the office and go like, Dr. Desani, I fell asleep in math today. And I was like, well, that's not good. And it led me to want to know why this was happening. So as I dug for answers, I realized children could have sleep apnea too and sleep issues too. And that was a huge revelation. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm missing. Like, these are my doctors, my lawyers, my future educators, and we're missing out on them being able to get a good night's rest. So it's one of those rabbit holes you go down and then you quickly realize, oh my gosh, there's so many more people that need help and we just don't know it. Hmm. Thank you for explaining all that and taking us on that journey. So for those people listening who aren't maybe familiar with what exactly sleep apnea is, can you share that? Absolutely. So sleep apnea is when a person stops breathing for 10 seconds or longer multiple times throughout the night. You know, there's just like we have a blood pressure or blood sugar, there's numbers that get attached to what is considered normal and what is not considered normal. In adults, we want that number to be a five or below. In children, it's one or below. Um, what happens in obstructive sleep apnea, which is what we are discussing today, when a person lays down to fall asleep, a lot of times uh, the tongue falls back. In children, sometimes it's their tonsils, which cause that obstruction. And when that happens, there isn't enough oxygenation happening. There's not enough air going through. The blood isn't getting oxygenated. And then the heart goes, well, I really don't have much to do. There isn't freshly oxygenated blood that I need to carry to the rest of the body. So the heart starts to slow down. And at some point, the brain goes, hey, wake up. I need more oxygen. And now the heart has to jumpstart to frantically get enough oxygen to the brain. And this cycle goes on throughout the night. Now, here's where it is not good that this is happening. For one, this person is stopping breathing. But also let's remember and understand that when we are sleeping is when all of our healing happens, right? So for if you went out for a run today or you did CrossFit or our kids went and played tennis or karate and all the learning that they did, when is this healing happening? At night, when they're, when they're sleeping, that's when all of that healing is supposed to happen. But instead, for these people that are stopping breathing, what's happening? Their heart is actually working overtime. Their heart is actually going a stop, start, stop, start to get enough oxygen to the brain. And this is why we see these people show up in our lives with high blood pressure, with diabetes, 
um, our older population that ends up with a stroke, um, early onset Alzheimer's. You know, it's so common, even in my practice as a dentist, to see kids that present with high blood pressure. And it's your body trying to tell you a story. I'll see kids that are wetting their bed because their brain isn't topping up enough neurotransmitters, enough growth hormone, and it all just comes into one big, what I call the perfect storm. Um, so in a roundabout way, that's what sleep apnea is. Yeah, so fascinating. So I'm curious to know, because of all the different um, illnesses and symptoms you just described, you know, when I think about wetting the bed, I don't immediately go to, oh, sleep apnea. So what are some of the telltale signs that maybe make it a little bit more obvious for you to say, oh, I think that that person might have this because I'm wondering if it's, you know, if there is a way to make it more obvious or is it like they've tried all these other things and check, tick things off the list and end up at sleep apnea. Yeah. So, um, children, I like to say I can fit adults into a box, you know, they present with the very classic signs and symptoms, they snore, they stop breathing. Um, but children, we could have like five kids with seven or eight different symptoms, and they could all be positive for sleep issues. Um, so I usually tell parents, you know, what, how are we going to know that this is what's going on? Um, if you have a child that snores, now, snoring in a child isn't like how Uncle Joe or I would snore, right? It Audible breathing in a child is considered snoring. So if you have a child that is consistently doing that, we should have that little ding, ding, ding go off in our head. Um, you brought up bedwetting. So yes, you know, you're not going to come to a dentist because your child stop is, you know, wetting the bed. We're talking, we're not talking of a two-year-old that is regressing potty training. We're talking of a child that has stayed dry. And, you know, I'll share a story and this will actually cement it in. We have a 16-year-old that we saw in the practice that uh, came in because he was wetting the bed. Um, Obviously, we know mom has tried everything. You know, they'd seen the pediatrician, seen all different kinds of specialists, no water after a certain time, clean diet, no junk food. He was doing everything right. When they come to the dentist, it's their last hope, right? It's like, what else can I try that could possibly maybe help my child? And it's so funny when... Um, his appointment was, we start seeing patients at seven. So my, usually my assistant sees the patients first, gathers all the details that I may need. And then I walk in and she came to get me and she was like, uh, doc, you might want to see this one first. And I was like, okay, let's go in and see what's going on. And I had this very sullen 16 year old boy in the chair, just slouched down, head hanging low. And he wouldn't meet my eyes. And I was like, Hey dude, what's going on? Like, you know, and he's like, can she not be here pointing to my assistant? Obviously he's embarrassed. And I said, I kind of need her in here. Let's talk about what's going on. And he mumbled and he said, I still wet the bed. And it broke my heart to see a 16 year old boy have to admit this to a complete stranger, two females that are in the room. His, his mom was there too. And, you know, the more we dug, the more questions I asked uh, with his exam, I was like, we need to get his sleep fixed. What, and, you know, we mentioned about the body healing, and that's exactly what happens in our children. When they get into that deep sleep and they stay in the deep sleep, growth hormone is released. Anti-diuretic hormone, it's the hormone that tells your body, your kidneys, your bladder, you got to hold on to the urine. You got to concentrate it instead of the signal, which sometimes doesn't register because they're fast asleep and they wet the bed. So there was that disconnect happening. 
and you know we got him into got his sleep evaluated did the treatment that was needed and I, I remember he three months in I, he came in for a follow-up and our office has like a long hallway and I was coming out of the back and he was walking in the front and he sees me and if you know teenage boys, they don't like to hug. At least none of my nephews do. And this boy ran down the hallway, like gave me a hug, squeezed me tight, almost lifted me off my feet. And he whispered in my ear, he's like, I haven't had an accident since I last saw you. I wanted to go home that day. I truly did. I was like, my day cannot get better than this. Because what we're not understanding is this has an impact on their emotional well-being as well. Can you imagine? This child never had sleepovers. He didn't do camp. Um, none of those activities because he always had that in the back of his head. Or then the alternative was he had to wear a diaper. Can you imagine being 16 and your friends finding out you need a diaper? Um, so it's things like this where we don't understand how important sleep is in overall growth and development a child that wakes up grumpy in the morning exact same thing now i tell moms this there is no such thing as a bad kid it's a kid that's tired it's a kid that is sleep deprived it's a kid that is screaming for help they just don't know how to tell you what to tell you so for parents this is what i tell them look at these cues nobody knows a child like their own mom does right we have this inbuilt radar if you sense something is wrong ask for questions, ask questions, seek answers. And if you're not happy with the answers you're getting, ask some more, go get a second opinion, go get a third opinion, because there is an answer. We just have to find the person that has the answer. Um, so those are the little cues that you can look for in assessing and evaluating um, is sleep, that missing piece of the puzzle for that child. And what percentage of children actually suffer from this? There is more than we care to admit, you know, current numbers show anywhere from 73 to 78. And I think it is higher because what about those that have never been screened? What about the ones that there is no awareness that this is, I say that we're still in the wild west of sleep medicine and sleep dentistry because there's new research coming out every single day. So yeah, Who knows how many are not being screened or being missed, yeah. um, but I, I definitely believe that number is a lot higher than what we think it is. And do we know what actually causes it? There's a lot of factors that cause it. It could be genetic. It could very well be genetic. Um, it could just be how your body structure is, you know, growth and development. A lot of it um, happens with the growth of the face because your airway begins right here, you know, starting with your nose and then going down to your lungs. A lot of that is impacted with how your jaws grow and develop. So if you have a small jaw or if we have a child that's a thumb sucker, um, certain habits, if we have a child that is a mouth breather, all of that impacts it. So there's a whole range of what could cause it genetics, environmental, our foods. I mean, how many children do we know that um, take the bottle just because or suck their thumb or uh, food from those little pouches? You know, let's give them real food so that the muscles around their face can actually develop impacting growth and development of their jaws, their airway. Uh, so there's a lot. It's, it's intertwined, a lot of factors that contribute to it. Yeah. And I know that you said, you know, the research isn't necessarily what it could be, but do you feel that this is an issue that has skyrocketed over the last, you know, few decades in kids, or do you believe it's always been around? 
You know, I do think it's uh, we're seeing more of it. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, we've shifted into a society that does not necessarily give whole foods to our children. You now everything is either pureed in pouches or those little melt away cookies and crackers that our kids eat, as opposed to let's give them, you know, in a safe way, uh, a piece of apple or a carrot or actual whole foods that they have to chew and eat safely without choking on it. Um, that I feel is a huge um, factor. There was a time in society when we moved away from breastfeeding. Breastfeeding is very important in developing um, the jaws for a child. And I always tell moms this, there is no judgment around it. It is a very personal uh, choice that mothers make. However, there are some that want to nurse and are unable to nurse. Um, and there has been a lack of support. At one point, it was not fashionable to breastfeed, although thankfully we're moving away from that as a society. So all of those factors do impact growth and development of our jaws and our face structure. And again, that impacts the airway growth. Also, we now see more kids that stay indoors as opposed to, I remember growing up, but my mom had to drag me inside. You know, it's like we spent our days playing outside in the sun, being active and um, eating real food, healthy food. So I think all of that just plays into it. Um, also, there's more awareness. So sure, like I said earlier, we're screening more, we're talking more. Uh, so you're certainly seeing more of these numbers as well. Yeah. And I'm curious to know, so I, to be honest, I wouldn't think sleep apnea, okay, I need to see a dentist. <laughs> I would think my first step would be to go to the the GP or something. So yeah. I'm curious to know, how do you um, heal this in people? What are the steps that you take? Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I like to say that uh, dentists are now slowly becoming in the forefront of screening because we see patients at least every six months for their cleaning, right? I personally see my GP maybe once a year for my well check. And a lot of times that is focused on the wellness. Sometimes uh, sleep doesn't get discussed. But when we're evaluating patients, we are able to keep in mind, what do the jaws look like? And is there not ideal development that we're seeing? And then we're able to kind of have these conversations and move ahead with whatever it may be. As far as addressing this, healing this, treating this, it's what's going on. What is causing the problem um, that needs to be addressed? Thankfully, in children, when we catch them soon enough, we have the ability to impact the direction of growth. If I see some, a child with a very narrow arch, narrow palate, I can impact that to grow in the direction that we need it to so that hopefully I'm creating an airway in a child who's going to grow up to be an adult that won't have this problem, that's able to breathe, that's able to play, that's able to be active outside and want to do things. So it just depends on what is going on. Do they have a narrow arch or palate? Maybe they need an expander. Do they have a tongue tie? Uh, maybe they need that released. Maybe they need myofunctional therapy. It just depends on what is leading this, what is causing this, that's going to help us address with, uh, what treatment do they need. And is it ever, does it ever stem from anything emotional? Um, that can play a role, yes, because what happens is when we are grow when our children are growing and developing, um, a lot of times when we see children that 
want to suck their thumb or use their pacifier on an extended basis. Some of that is where growth and development is, but uh, you and I know a lot of it is our emotional needs being met. How are they soothing? How are they self-soothing? And if that child is self-soothing by constantly sucking their thumb or constantly having a pacifier or uh, however it is that they may uh, that they may do, that can again lead into that structure of being able to shift growth and development away from what normal or natural needs to be. Hmm. So interesting. Yeah. So I'm curious to know, you and I met through a mutual friend, um, Trisha Brooke, and she's an incredible speaking coach. So I know you've gotten into just, you know, sharing more about this topic and you're obviously super passionate about it. You've done TEDx talks, all the things. So we have a lot of driven women who listen to this show. And I'm curious to know how it's been for you to go from being a dentist, having your own practice to getting more visible and getting this message out there. Did you have to overcome any fears? Did you have anything come up for you? You know, the fear of being out there, putting your idea, your passion um, in front of the world. uh, Am I going to be judged? Are people going to take it the right way? And then of course the ever present imposter syndrome, who am I to be able to tell people this? Um, used to show up a lot in the beginning until I realized that my why and the lives that I can impact is so much bigger than me and my fear. And I think that is something I have to remind myself on a daily basis because I didn't have the support when my children were little, both my kids had sleep issues and I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, and now I'm, I have to remind myself, what would it have taken for you to have that support? Why would you not put it out to everybody to for moms to have these answers? So it's a lot of constant telling myself, it's not about me. It's about the people I want to serve. And my why is bigger than who I am. I'm just the means to uh, what the universe decided was going to be able to help these people. Yeah. So incredible. So if people want to learn more about your work and this topic, where do they find you? Um, my website has a lot of resources. It's magnadasani.com. Very easy. Um, I also am very active on social media. Instagram, my handle is Healthy Sleep Revolution. That's what we're doing. We're creating a revolution to help people get to healthy sleep. Um, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. And so we have one final question. I always ask all of our guests on the show. What is one way that people can create a life that's better than their dreams? I would say to create a life that is better than your dream is focus on your purpose, focus on your why. Um, Because when you take it outside of you, when it's not just your dreams about yourself, about who you want, or it could even be for those around you, but when it becomes focused on why you are doing what you're doing, your purpose expands to encompass others when you're actually doing it from a place of giving as opposed to wanting, needing, um, I do think life changes exponentially. Totally. And thank you for stepping up and making this your life's mission through, you know, a challenging moment, losing your father-in-law and, you know, taking on this work and being an advocate for all of us. 
um, super grateful. And thank you for educating us on this topic. I personally had no idea. And I always thought, you know, you need to wear like a mask your whole life once you have sleep apnea. So I'm glad to know that's not the case. Um, but thank you so much for your time today and for just opening our eyes to all of this. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the I Heart My Life show. Now do us a favor and tell people about this episode. It's truly our duty to make sure that the I Heart My Life movement is spread far and wide. The truth is life can be challenging, but it is possible for all women to love themselves and their lives. And while you're at it, send a link to this episode to three of your friends today, or maybe even post it on social media. Use the hashtag I Heart My Life show. That's hashtag I Heart My Life show. And if you'd like to help me personally, then please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us some stars, cheer us on, and leave a review because believe it or not, that stuff actually really does help. And I read all of them. Please remember everything you desire is meant for you and possible. Keep showing up, taking action, and believing in your dreams.